What's up, everybody? I want to welcome you all to the first episode of the Success Chatter podcast. My name is Alex Estelle. We are right outside of Annapolis, Maryland, conveniently sandwiched right between Baltimore, Maryland and Washington, D.C. The goal of the Success Chatter podcast is to teach you guys how to start a business, how to improve an existing business, how to set what success means to you, because success is different for everybody. We're going to teach you how to invest in real estate. We're going to teach you how to improve uh, business practices. We're going to interview uh, ex-athletes, current athletes, business owners, uh, very successful people. We're going to talk about uh, with them about how they became successful, the steps they took, and how they define success. I think this is going to be a really informative podcast for everybody. Um, it's kind of been born out of necessity. Uh, I've been talking to uh, lots of people in the Annapolis, Maryland, and surrounding areas of Washington, D.C., Northern Virginia, Baltimore areas. Um, everyone had kind of been urging me to start a, a podcast, and we're really excited to bring the Success Chatter podcast to you guys. So hopefully you guys will get a great uh, amount of information from it and you'll come back every week. Before we get started, I want to thank our sponsor for the first episode of Success Chatter, Jamba Juice Annapolis. Jamba Juice Annapolis will be opening its doors on December 1st inside the Annapolis Mall, conveniently located right between the food court and the main atrium of the Annapolis Mall. So if you're going to be at the mall this holiday season doing some shopping, definitely swing on by, grab a refreshing smoothie or a healthy smoothie bowl or some wheatgrass shots perhaps. It's going to be a great holiday season over there at the Annapolis Mall. Lots of cool stuff at the mall, and we really hope you'll swing by and uh, support the Jamba Juice Annapolis Mall location. Thanks a lot, guys, for your support, and we look forward to seeing you open your doors on December 1st. I think it's important before we kick off the first episode of Success Chatter. Uh, you guys know a little bit about me and what I do and uh, why I even have this podcast and why I'm starting this podcast. So uh, again, there's going to be some people here, obviously, who are listening, who know me, and there's going to be a lot of people on here who don't know me. My name's Alex Estelle. Uh, I grew up right outside of Annapolis, Maryland, in a little town called Crofton. It's not so little anymore, but um, really a, a great place to grow up. Uh, my, I'm going to obviously skip forward to my business career. I started um, in the real estate industry in 2010. It was a really, really bad time to, to get into the, the business, but uh, I grew up uh, in a, with a family that really prioritized owning real estate and owning rental properties. And uh, so it was kind of a passion of mine. I knew I wanted to get into this from the time I was 12 years old, so it didn't really matter to me that the economy was free-falling and that the real estate market in particular was uh, in a tailspin. So I got into real estate in 2010. I actually started selling houses to kind of make money. Um, ultimately, what I wanted to become was a real estate investor. I was able to start flipping houses the next year, and this was you know, before some of the TV shows have really made it popular um, you know, being a real estate agent, I was able to see houses in neighborhoods that were way undervalued. 
And uh, one thing led to another, purchased my first property at a low income town in northern Anne Arundel County. Um, purchased it for 39000 put 20000 into it. And after, you know, real estate fees and expenses and uh, taxes and things like that, was able to turn a $60,000 investment into $80,000 in five months. Um, it wasn't easy. You know, I think people think, oh, man, you're lucky. When that house was finished and the construction was done, I had less than 700 bucks in my accounts. Um, and for two or three months, I mean, it was basically paycheck to paycheck until that thing uh, sold. So it's not, it's not always easy. I think sometimes you have to take calculated risks to achieve some sort of success, uh, whatever that is to you. Um, and I've kind of rolled money from one flip to the next. I'm and still doing that to this day. I still flip houses to this day. I think it's a really great way to make large chunks of money all at once if you buy it right and sell it right. Um, I also own some rental properties in the county, which is great. It's um, they're nice revenue basis for me. I make three to five hundred dollars per property, typically in, in profit each month. Somebody else is paying the mortgage for me, and and when it's all said and done, when I'm in my fifties, they'll all be paid for and bringing in thousands of dollars a month each in positive cash flow, and uh, that's I think a very sound business decision um, to invest in real estate. I'm also a business investor. I have franchised a health industry, smoothie industry um, business, and uh, really looking forward to, to, to that. And it's been great so far and looking forward to continuing that. And I'm also a business consultant. I help people start businesses. I help people reevaluate their current businesses. I help advise business owners and how they can become more profitable, how they can improve uh, revenues. Um, it's a really cool, a business is just what I'm passionate about. And one of the things I hope that we're going to do with this podcast is teach you guys to make some money off of what you're passionate about. Not everybody has the same goals. Not everybody wants to you know, be a millionaire. Not everybody wants to necessarily live off of their passion. Some people are perfectly content working nine to five, having a steady paycheck and maybe doing a little side hustle on the side. And that's great. And hopefully you'll be able to learn how to do all those things um, by listening to the Success Chatter podcast. I think Success Chatter is going to be a really cool uh, platform and a really cool um, information hub for small business owners and for entrepreneurs. So that's a little bit about myself. And uh, hopefully you guys, like I said, will tune in each week and grab some really important information from this podcast. So I thought I would kick off Success Chatter, you know, the very first episode, addressing a question that I am asked more than any other question from other business owners, from friends, from friends of friends, anywhere I go, from networking events, anywhere I go, people always ask me, how can I invest in real estate? And, you know, there's really a lot of ways to do it and it's never been easier to invest in real estate than right now. Now, it's also never been as competitive as it is right now to invest in real estate, but I certainly wanted to kind of show you guys and tell you guys a little bit about how you can invest in real estate, whether you've got your own money or not. Uh, for those of you who do have cash on hand and a substantial amount of cash, the easiest thing 
for you folks to do is to go in your local area, whatever county or town or city that you live in, and you want to interview and find real estate agents who specialize in helping investors invest in real estate, whether that's finding rental properties, cash flowing rental properties, or flipping houses. Um, you, that's really important that you find an agent who knows what they're doing. Because if you buy a house too high or if you don't put the right type of improvements into the property, you, you, know, you could go from making a profit to taking a loss really, really quickly. Now, knock on wood, I've never taken a loss on a property. Um, and that's not necessarily to say that I'm, it's because I'm a terrific you know, investor. It's that, hey, I'm also a real estate agent, so I see the market day to day. And that's kind of what I, what I do. So, but you have to buy it right. You have to know exactly what you can put into it to sell it for what you need to sell it for. And also, you know, you can't go overboard. You know, you can't go to a low income section of the area in which you live and throw in marble floors. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to get your money back out. And in many cases, you'll, you'll scrape and claw just to, to make a buck. So you have to really know what you're doing, and, and a key aspect to that is getting an agent who works with investors regularly. Not every once in a while, but regularly. Now, for those of you who do not have your own cash, you still want to do the same thing and look to partner with an agent who works with investors regularly for several reasons. Number one, if an agent works with investors there's a good chance he will have investors who have extra cash who may be willing to stake your flip. Obviously, they'll probably want, they're going to want some sort of an interest rate for borrowing the money, 8, 9, 10, 12% maybe uh, a year, you know, prorated, of course, throughout the year. If you borrow money at 12% for the year and you sell the house in six months, you're paying 6% interest essentially on the money that you borrowed. Um, and, and so a real estate agent might have investors who, who also put out hard money. Uh, number two, a lot of real estate agents who work with investors have a hard money lender that they can go to. It could be like an institutional hard money lender, people who just lend money to people to flip houses. Now, here where I live in the Washington, D.C. area, there's, they're a dime a dozen. There are hard money lenders all over the place. Now, it you know, depends on your credit and all that thing, all that stuff, but typically they will lend you the money as long as it's purchased right and sold right uh, and as long as you know, you're partnered with a, either a, a seasoned investor doing it with you or with a seasoned agent who can advise you every step of the way. Typically, they want to see you partner with someone who knows what they're doing, and you, but you have to bring something to the table. You have to project manage it or you got to, you know, act as the GC in a way. Obviously, you have to be licensed in order to officially act as a GC. Um, but you definitely want to partner with an agent who knows what they're doing because they can either put you in touch with hard money lenders or maybe their clients themselves are hard money lenders. That's, th that's the two biggest and easiest ways that you can get into flipping and have a, a really, really good chance to succeed you know, right off the bat. Now, I know that was pretty broad in how to get into flipping. 
But let's talk about the, st the steps required to have a successful flip. So let's say you've got your cash, you've lined up your, or you're lined up your hard money. The biggest thing I think right off the bat is having an understanding with your real estate agent. And listen, I can say this because I am one. You're going to be giving that agent a lot of deals. You know, they're going to get a purchase commission and a listing commission when they go to resell the property for you. So I do think you need to get a percent to a percent and a half off the listing commission when they go to resell the property for you. So if, you know, 6% is a common commission in your area, you should be having the agent listed for you for 4.5% because you're going to give that person, he or she, that agent's going to get two deals, two commissions per deal per year off you. So I think it's wise to kind of have that understanding going into it. You know, you, you should be getting a percent to a percent and a half off. I would say no less than 4.5%. Because then there's really no incentive for a buyer's agent to bring the prop to bring a buyer by. It sounds terrible, but I know a lot of agents who will not show a property unless they're guaranteed. The buyer's agent is guaranteed two and a half percent. It's terrible because they should just show the houses that their clients want to see. But that's the world we live in. So around here, and for my own flips, I always relist the properties for sale at four and a half percent. I give two and a half to a buyer's agent and keep two for myself, 2% for myself, because there are marketing costs and things like that associated with listing a property. So that's important. Definitely make sure your agent is on board and you have a, a signed deal and a, and a plan on relisting the house for sale, what the commissions are going to be every single time you do it. The second thing would be, after this agent has helped you locate the property, and you know, and you've pulled your comps, and you've seen the comps. Well, let's talk about that first. Let's. I was going to talk about general contractors for a second. Let's let's back up. Make sure the comps that you're looking at are actually comps. And what I mean by that is, if you're flipping a thousand square foot rancher, you your comps should not be three story colonials. They shouldn't be. They need to be nine hundred to eleven hundred square foot ranchers. If you're looking at a thousand square foot rancher. If you're looking at a 2,500 square foot colonial, you need to be looking at roughly 2,500 square foot colonials. You know, that, those are important. That's, that's probably the number one mistake I see people make in flipping houses is they're not looking at the comps correctly. They've decided to, you know, oh, I'm going to flip this rancher. Let me look at this, you know, four level colonial that was built five years ago and it's 3,000 square feet as a comp. It's just not the same obviously. And you would think that people would know to do that, and that's common sense, but it's really surprising how few people look at the comps as they, as they should. Let's put it that way. So make sure you're looking at the comps that are exactly alike the property you're doing. The next thing is three bids. Always get three bids from a general contractor. You know, typically, you want to tell these contractors, hey, I, I flip houses, whether it's your first one or your tenth. I flip houses. I'm going to be able to give you guys lots of business. So I want competitive pricing. I'm not going to pay the same markups that you would charge Harry homeowner to redo their bathroom or to redo their kitchen. I'm not going to pay that. And, you know, you let them know they're one of three or four bids that you're going to get, and you're going to go with the best priced person, period. 
And they should know if they have any business sense, they're going to want to bend over backwards to win your business because they know, hey, I don't have to make 20% markup on this person because I'm going to be able to make 10 or 12.5% several times a year or, or once a year if I can do Tom's flips or if I can do Sue's flips. So make sure you put it out there for them. And never tell them what the other one's bidding. Let them, you know, you just say, hey, look, I'm getting three or four bids, or I've already got two bids, I'm going to get you and win one more. Never tell them what the bids are, but tell them, hey, I'm, I'm not going to pay extravagant pricing because I'm going to be able to keep you busy all the time. Every year, I'm going to keep you busy. But I think the next thing that's very important is to really lock down a good spreadsheet and that calculates everything. Your purchase price, your closing costs when you purchase it, because every county and town and state has transfer and recordation fees that you got to pay. You got to know what that is. You have to know exactly what you're going to put in. So if your contractor says, "Hey, I can do this property for 50 grand," and that's what you go with, I always leave a blank. Uh, and in my spreadsheet, the next line over, I put the $50,000 for the upgrades. The next line over. I put $5,000 contingency just to put it in there. They didn't say I'm going to probably go over by five grand, but you never know. Something always does come up when you're flipping a house. When you're opening walls, something always comes up. So you always want to have a $5,000 contingency. So you want to factor that in as well. You want to know what your interest on the loan is going to be if you're borrowing money. If you're borrowing at 12% and you expect to sell the property start to finish, you, have, you buy it, you fix it, you get it under contract on the backside, then you finally go to closing. If you're expecting six months, you need to put down six months of interest. You also need to put down your carry costs. This is another thing that's always overlooked by new investors. They don't realize, oh, I didn't put in my utility bills. My electric, my you know, gas, uh, the sewer and water. I have to get the grass cut every 10 days or the neighbors or the HOA is going to find me. you got to pay somebody to do that for you. you got to get a builder's risk policy, insurance policy, and you want to insure it for more cash than you're going to put into it. So if you're putting in three fifty, you want to have at least $350,000 in builder's risk coverage, and I would say a little bit higher than that. So all those things have to be ironclad. And the next thing you want to do is you want to have on that same spreadsheet a range of sales prices. Hey, if my total cost is going to be you know, $360,000 when it's all said and done, I'm going to sell for between, let's say your high mark, you think you're going to sell it is for $410. let us say you think uh, the next line you put $400, the next line you put $395, and then $390. And that should show you your profit you would make at each of those sales prices. Yeah, at 410, I'm going to make 40. At 400, I'm going to make 30. At you know, 395, I make 25, you know, et cetera. You want to know what you're looking at if you sell it at different price points because it's very difficult to guess the exact price you're going to get on a resale. So you really want to have a, a tight range, you know, fifteen dollars to $20,000 range, which is a tight range depending on your price point where you think you're very comfortable and your agent's very comfortable saying it's going to sell between this or this. And that'll allow you to kind of get an idea of what you're looking at for profit. 
I also think you should calculate the percentage return on your money. I think if you make a $40,000 profit, that sounds terrific. And it is. But if that's 10% return, so for example, you had $400,000 in cash into this thing and you make 40 grand, that's actually not that great of a return. It really is not. Now, if it's your first one and you're pretty confident there's a good spread there, you're going to be in good shape with the 40 grand, then go ahead and do it. For me, I would like a little bit more of a spread. I'm usually shooting for 15% or better. The next thing is, this is where your agent is really going to be helpful. Do your homework on what the buyers want to see in their homes in that neighborhood on renovated properties. Do they want granite? Do they want quartz? Do they want hardwood? Do they want a really high-quality laminate? Do they want you know, updated light fixtures? Do they want a deck? Do they want, you know, whatever. You've you got to look at what the renovated properties are selling for and what they have on the inside because you want to stay on par with that. And you don't really want to go too much higher than that either. If, if they're looking for quartz, put in quartz. Don't put in $100 a square foot marble because you're not going to get the money back out. It's not going to equate. There's, there is a point of diminishing returns, uh, and you need to know what that is, and your agent will be really pivotal in helping you see that. You know, in, in this area, the, the craze seems to be white cabinets, white quartz, stainless steel appliances. I've been putting those that in my flip houses for two or three years now. Gray walls, gray is the is the the it color right now. You can certainly have an accent wall, you know, or add a little bit of color to your properties for sure. But you don't want to be too taste specific either, because then people think, oh man, I got to move in and right off the bat I got to paint my house. So you want to be you can add some color. I definitely it definitely shouldn't be white walls. But you definitely want to be neutral colors for sure. Another thing I think is super overlooked in flipping houses is landscaping. You could have the nicest house on the outside, I mean, on the inside, but if you've got crappy landscaping and, and not good curb appeal, and the house needs to be power washed, and there's algae on the siding, then people aren't going to come in. You know, people are not going to come in. So you need to make sure that that house looks excellent on the outside as well as on the inside. Because the, the first thing they see is the outside. They don't get to see the inside. They're driving by. The first thing they see and the, and the whole basis and mood of that showing that they're going to go on, the new buyers, starts from the curb appeal. If there's algae all over the house, weeds in the in the beds you know plants uh, you know are dying then they're entering the house with a bad vibe and they're going to look at the rest of it man well you know if they didn't do this outside i wonder what they didn't do on the inside and it starts to showing off terrible so that's very important that the outside looks great and i think the last thing and what i have learned is arguably the most important thing is pricing it right on the resale. Now, when I first started, it was again a bad market, so prices were were good. You know, I could price them again the first one around ninety-four thousand dollars for this particular property way back in a terrible economy, and it, it was gonna you know they were selling in about thirty days or thirty-five days. Now, 
somewhere, I think maybe like, I would say three or four years ago, I would get a little greedy and I would list it a little higher than what the comps would suggest. And I paid for it. You know, in some cases they were on the market for three months. So I had an extra two months or so of carry costs because I started it too high rather than list it right where I thought it should se- it would sell right off the bat. So now the last three years, I think the longest it's taken me to get a flip under contract is 30 days. Most of them are under contract within a week because I price them exactly where they should be. You know, right at the top of the market, but not too far above. And, it, you know, I usually get full price offers or, or above, above asking price offers. So I think pricing is important. And again, lean on your real estate agent. Your real estate agent is going to be a very valuable partner, in a sense, in helping you gain some of these contacts, gain some knowledge, and, uh, you know, really going to have a good, they should have a good marketing strategy as well. They're going to be very vital in getting your house sold. guys have any questions on how to flip houses or you want to talk to me about how to hook up with a hard money lender or have questions about the process you can reach me on twitter or instagram on instagram you can find me at estelle alex which is e-s-t-i-l-l alex on twitter you can find me at alex e 85 85 is not the year i was born just a randomly assigned number from twitter um, but reach out to me there follow me love to uh, hear some feedback from you guys that'd be terrific success chatter let's talk about rental properties for a minute and I want to start with the younger demographic the Millennials or you know folks in your early 20s um, there's a great way to buy rental properties and a simple way to buy rental properties without putting down 20% it's buying your first house in a trendy town or a trendy city close to where you, you know, you work that you want to live. Make sure it's a minimum of three bedrooms. I'm 30 years old. I've been helping friends buy houses in Baltimore City since I was 21. And I would always insist that they had three bedrooms at a minimum. The reason I say that, they were able, these were folks and friends of mine who had really good jobs and who wanted to buy a property, but you know they didn't want to necessarily spend $2,500 or something on their mortgage. So what they would do is purchase these properties. I'd help them find other friends of ours or friends of theirs. I'd say, hey, listen, reach out to your friends. See who wants to move to the city and hang out for a few years with you. They would rent out rooms two and three at seven or $800 a piece. So they were coming out of pocket less than a grand for their own mortgage. And you know her friends or his friends would be paying you know, two-thirds of the mortgage, which is fantastic. And if they're smart, and some of them were, they were putting a little extra down on their mortgage because they weren't having to come out of pocket so much for the entire thing. So that's really helped them build substantial wealth in their properties. Many of them still own those properties today and have moved out and have turned them into full-fledged rental properties. And they just put 3.5% down because it was an owner-occupied property which is perfectly legal. Now, if you want to invest in real estate as a rental and it's not owner-occupied, you're going to have to put down 20%. No way around that, and not unless it's a second home. So if you want to invest in a purely rental property, got to put down 20%, and that's one way to get around it legally. 
And that's how you can do it right off the bat. So maybe it's too late for you if you're a parent and you've already purchased two, three homes and don't have enough cash right now to do another one. But it's a really good way to start your kids off to having financial freedom and financial success and having a lot of equity in real estate. Let them buy something and have their friends live off of them, or, or excuse me, I should say live with them and pay their mortgage. That's a great way to build equity in a property and, again, create some substantial wealth for you and get you started off on the right foot. Now, if you already have a home and you're thinking about downsizing, you're thinking about ups upgrading, talk to your realtor. See what it's worth. See what you owe on it and see what it would rent for. And, you know, you might be surprised. Just see what it would rent for. You could always refinance and pull some cash out. Your payments might be a little higher, obviously, but if your rents can cover the payments, if you need to refi, pull cash out for the next house, and you can still rent it out and you know, make a little bit of a profit every month, I would recommend doing that. I really would. You know, the, the cool thing about rental properties is even in down economies, and this, you know, it's going to depend a little bit on where you live, but in down economies, rents typically tend to go up because people have been foreclosed out of their houses and there's a lot of renters and not as many properties to rent. So, you know, at least here, when the economy is not as strong, rentals soar because there's just so many people needing rental properties. So I definitely would talk to your real estate agent and figure out ways you could turn that property you have into a rental property. You want to take a look at everything. You want to you know, check the age of your roof, your windows, your HVAC, and see if there's anything immediate coming down the pike. And if it is, then you may want to sell it. But if not, you know, take a look at it. I really think it'll surprise a lot of you on how many of you can turn your houses into rental properties without having to put that 20% down. So I think, as you can see, some of you may have a rental property already that you own that you may not even know about. And for you young folks especially, one of the things I think it's really important that you realize is you got to explore all your options. I think achieving a rental property, if you're smart about how you purchase your first house, I think you can really set yourself up on super strong financial footing that, uh, you know, for the, for the most part is reserved for people who can put 20% down on rental properties. I think if you're smart, I think you can really get yourself off to a, to a great start. I've thrown a lot of information at you about real estate and how to invest in real estate. Um, love to hear back from you guys. Again, on Instagram, you can reach me at, at Estelle Alex on Twitter, at AlexE85. Love to hear back from you guys. Next week, I'm going to have a, a, a special guest on. I'm going to have an eight-year NFL veteran, John Booty, uh, on the podcast next week. John's going to talk a little bit about how he became an NFL player, the sacrifices he had to make to get into the league, to stay in the league, um, and how he uses the contacts that uh, he was able to form in the National Football League to his advantage, which helps him continue to be successful to this day. So I hope you guys enjoyed the first episode of Success Chatter. I'm really excited to bring this to you every week. We're going to talk more about how you can turn your side hustles into businesses as we go through each week. And I hope to see you guys back next week. Thanks again for everything, and thanks for tuning in.